Hello, you're listening to Chai Across Generations, a podcast to understand and maybe even bridge the gap between generations of South Asians. This is episode four, part two of our exploration of the good life. This is Shankar. And this is Nikhil. Shankar, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Nikhil. How about yourself? I am doing well. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed part one of The Good Life, where we came to the understanding that there can be different priorities across generations, unified by similar values. If you haven't heard it yet, you can go back and check it out wherever you get your podcasts. That's right, Nikhil. In this episode, we're going to continue that conversation and explore how a lack of understanding of these changing priorities across generations uh, leads to pressure uh, from parents on children and colors our communication. I feel this comes across sometimes as parental anxiety, uh, which brings up the issue of mental health, which I think is really important. Yes, I agree. I think mental health is a massively important topic. And to be honest, it's one we typically don't discuss in the South Asian community, and I really hope this changes. I hope we can be a part of that change. We'll spend a little time with it here in this episode, and we'll probably return to it in future episodes. And in this episode, Nikhil throws some curveball questions at me, which I try my best to handle. So you can have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I think you do a pretty good job with them. And I appreciate you always being willing to tackle some of these questions that I throw your way. So with that, let's jump back into the discussion. The generation growing up has the chance, the opportunity to do something else, like you said, to dabble in different careers to contribute something new to the world um, to better their society their community and i'm not sure that enters the discussion very often right in this discussion of of the good life Mm -hmm. um i could be wrong um you know maybe maybe we do talk about that within our community as we think about this but in my experience it seems and maybe we're just expanding kind of our consciousness right around this but i would love to see more discussion around that around expanding the concept of the good life and the arc of the good life across your family generations to include the impact you can have beyond your family into the community into the world right i actually think that now i'm speaking for my generation that my generation actually lives those ideals but mm. they don't talk about them enough. Mm. Uh, my generation is actually, when I look at people, they're deeply involved in culture, in the arts, in community, in service, but they don't talk about it very much at home to the children. And I told you about this cusp and the fear, the the, the value of fear and the peak of accomplishment or growth. And I can tell you that I've been through all those fears as a parent. You know, um, I think the constant thinking that goes into most parents' head from my generation is we had to work so hard. The slope was so slippery where we were. Competition was so intense. We struggled so hard. And you guys have it so easy. Um, What if you just become soft? What if you don't work hard enough? then all the effort that we put and accumulated and brought here will have gone to waste. What if you squander it all? There is a fear and anxiety deep in behind all that thinking of this overachievement and all that. But I honestly think that 
articulating it and living in that fear is not going to help either my generation or your generation. The best way is to confront that fear, recognize it for what it is, but understand that you guys are never going to experience that kind of competition in slippery slope, and that's okay. And you will still carve a path. You'll have different challenges, challenges that we didn't have. And you have to equip yourselves to surmount those, like you said, mental health, for instance, a huge thing. Uh, I think having mindfulness techniques, meditation techniques, yoga, breathing, these are beautiful things from the spiritual treasury of India that we can impart to you, which will empower you in such fantastic ways. It may not be just, you know, swatting away to do well on standardized tests. That may not be the only gift or message that we can give you. That's my honest feeling. Mm -hmm. That was really powerful. Um, I have felt that pressure on my end. I think a lot of people in my generation can relate to that. Right. Because there is this, this notion or this idea of pressure, I guess, you know, hey, you've been given a higher baseline to start from. Mm -hmm. So now what are you going to do? So my dad is a doctor. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, I was the doctor's son. Right. And I was the doctor's son growing up in America. So what does the doctor's son do? Well, he should become a doctor, right? right. right. He should become, should start his own practice or do something with that. Um, I took my life in a different direction. But there is that, yeah, the pressure of don't squander this. Right. We've already... We've, we've taken it this far. Right. So take it to the next level. Like mm-hmm. do, I mean, obviously medicine is held in high esteem in our community. So do that. Like, right, right. you know, continue to, to push that forward and you will have way more resources to start working with and more right. wealth to start with. Right. Um, so I, I felt that pressure growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful because when I told my parents at some point that I didn't want to do medicine. I didn't feel like it was right for me. I didn't feel like I could contribute to the world in the best way. I felt like if I was going to go into medicine, I really wanted to care about the biology and kind of the science behind it. If someone was going to put their life in my hands. Right. And I, I didn't feel it. I took some, you know, pre-med classes and I realized I, I don't think this is the best way for me to bring my gifts to yeah. the world. Right. I showed that with them. They were understanding and, you know, I, I pivoted into other other realms um but i guess it's interesting that the default the starting point was start with medicine right you know fulfill kind of this arc i guess as the doctor's son and be a doctor yourself um and so i think you're i mean i I don't think that pressure was meant to be imposed like i don't think anyone was trying to do that Mm -hmm. but it is definitely something i grew up with and I wonder if we can create an environment where that pressure is lessened or at least discussed right. so that we can be more resilient in the face of it. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And, you know, you're a very unique individual, Nikhil. I mean, you've done very well for yourself. And that's great. I don't think any parent would feel, you know, um, any concern at this point. But perhaps, um, to be fair, you know, we do see a fair number of 
it's hard to put a number on it. But there is the mental image we have of somebody who goes into college, is not able to make up their mind of what they want to study and, and take a break and then come back or whatever. And there's this fear that, oh, my God, you know, um, this person will not get focused. They won't um, get ahead in life. I think it's I would be very sympathetic with a parent who is concerned about their child's future security and you know financial well-being to some extent i'm okay with that but i'm not sure that communicating anxiety about it is the best way to empower them is all i would say right right and this kind of comes back to mental health too right like as a parent Mm -hmm. if you feel that pressure um how do you regulate your own emotions right. so that you don't pass it down or you minimize what's passed down to the next generation. I think that's a challenge I see. It, it's hard It's hard to regulate yourself when, um, or if, if you aren't investing in things, right? Like yoga or meditation or whatever it is for, right. for any given person. Um, so I think there's a tremendous value to that. I, let me ask you this. Do you think there's something that my generation can do if their parents are passing down some of that anxiety or some of those fears. What have you seen that um, that might help? That's a fantastic question. I think um, first is I think having a framework within which to identify it. The hardest thing when we're growing up is that we take our family environment as normal Mm. and ideal. That's what you know. So that's normal, right? It's only when you start reflecting and you interact with other people and you see other ways of living and you introspect that you say that, well, this is one way of living. <laughs> it's a legitimate way of living, maybe, but it's not necessarily the only way to live. So I don't know what is the apparatus. I mean, therapy uh, is powerful, I think. Um, in the old days, we had the notion of a guru in India, a guru or a swami, a wise person to whom a family could go and confide and who would give spiritual and uh, advice on the mundane. They would take their life problems to that person. Person was uh, supposed to be desireless, a true guru I'm talking about, very rare to find. I don't think you can find any these days. But uh, the scriptures talk about someone who was desireless, who truly cared for your welfare, for the welfare of your very being in its highest sense. And would then offer advice, and a lot of that advice would be about non-attachment, doing your right, doing the right thing, etc., which was very comforting and salutary for a lot of families. Now, that traditional model is gone, and at the same time, we don't have any other way to access that wisdom. Those traditional model is broken, and we are not ready to acknowledge. Um, 
the power of a good therapist. Um, so we're kind of caught. Um, <laughs> we have a saying in in uh, India. It's like a Trishanku. Trishanku is person who is neither here nor there. They're between heaven and earth, right? Stuck somewhere in the middle. And our generation has to break out of it. Either step forward and say that modern psychology has learned a lot of things. There are there's a lot of work on trauma. Um, very powerful stuff by Bessel van der Kolk on, you know, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Fantastic book on trauma. Uh, there are modern techniques uh, to deal with trauma, um, psychology, and uh, a good therapist uh, can do wonders, and they do exist. But like anything, you got to be careful in what you choose and how you pick whom you uh, go and, you know, um, confide with. I think there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of, uh, and I'll grant, I I shared some of that skepticism when I was younger. Um, or they're just, uh, you just go in certain and they're just making money and that kind of thinking is there, uh, definitely. Why would you want to tell your problems to someone else, to a third party? What would somebody who's not grown up in your culture know about your problems? There's all these arguments against it. Maybe it applies to some fraction of therapists, but look, if you're a drowning person, you you can clutch at straws too. You know, you'll get to get a long way maybe. And it's not clutching at straws. We just have to acknowledge. Or go back, um, dig deep into your tradition, find a guru, a good guru, listen to them and, and take advice. But we can't solve these problems on our own. Um, not in, Most people cannot. 99% of people cannot, right? Yeah. Anyway, we've maybe got a little off topic from the good life, but... Uh, um, yeah. Since you asked a very powerful question, I felt compelled to respond. <laughs> you are making a great point about mental health and therapy that I think we should return to at some point. Right. And I think can be maybe one of the biggest tools to help us bridge this gap, honestly. Right, right. Um, I think there is a bit of a stigma around therapy in our community. Right. And I think we have to find ways to talk about that and maybe, hopefully, open some minds about it. Um, like you said, the reservation is what is what's it going to help like how's mm. it going to help if i just talk to someone who doesn't understand my context or isn't from the same culture as me but what i'm realizing is that it is immensely helpful to just process something with someone else just to mm. say it out loud that's what i've learned through a couple episodes of this podcast with you mm. um, as someone who goes to therapy as well that's the value i get out of it it's mm. Is, and you see this a lot in coaching too, which you and I can relate on because mm-hmm. we, we met in a coaching program. Um, you kind of already have the answer, yeah. but you have to be able to uncover it. And you mm-hmm. might need a coach or a therapist or a friend or maybe ideally some form of all three of those in your life yeah. to uncover the truths that are usually left kind of buried or right. undiscovered. Right. Um, so... That is an idea I definitely want to return to, and mm-hmm. I would love to see our community shift in terms of the stigma attached to it, to see it as a tool. Like, it's a really powerful tool, and it does remind me a bit of, like, the comparison with physical health, right? Mm-hmm. You go in to get your physical health checked up, you go to your annual physical, you have, we have these scans to <laughs> detect right. for more dangerous conditions as we grow up, right. and therapy is kind of focusing on your mental health it's it's way more subtle 
and it has not been maybe as um as prevalent or as prominent Mm -hmm. over the course of the last call it century or two but i think we are uncovering that it is very important and i think i hope we can trust in the wisdom of find a way to process and make meaning of your life so you can show up in ways that or you're better able to help the people around you better able to help your community um if we can make that shift as a community, mm-hmm. I wonder how many of the other challenges it would solve in terms of being able to relate to one another and to relate to different generations. It would. And I approached it from a very different angle. I came up with it uh, through my yoga practice. So when we talk of a good life, I realized that when I was younger, I was mainly interested in sense pleasures, you know, mm. like enjoying good music, friends, whatnot. And that's okay. Uh, definitely, we all enjoy, you know, even now I enjoy going out in nature or, you know, beautiful things when you see when you travel or eat a great meal, and there's nothing wrong with that. But through my yoga practice, what I, it really alerted me to was also the time to reflect on what are the ethics that are informing the way I live and um uh, you know the fact that there's body breath and mind right there's all three it's not just uh, um like you said uh, mental health is also important and um we can't just focus on uh, one thing and physical health is also important and self care is such a an intrinsic part of uh, living a good life um, so, for instance, as I grow older, I would say health is one of the most important things in order to get, live a good life. If your health is not good, you cannot enjoy a good life. And to maintain your health, you have to be concerned about your physical well-being. And more important, you have to be concerned with your mental well-being because the mind is actually stronger than the body. It's it's subtler and deeper. That's what yoga teaches me. If I don't control my mind, I cannot control my body. And so... Everything that you said um, resonates from that perspective. So I don't think of myself when I say that I'm not saying that I'm not saying I'm an ethical person. I think I reflect a lot on ethics and I try to be an ethical person. I try to live my life against along guided by some principles, even so when I fall or slip, I realize I'm doing that and I'm able to make some efforts to improve myself on that. So I think that's where the unhurriedness, if I was too hurried, I wouldn't have time to spend to think about those things. Mm. And along that line, educating oneself is very important. I think both generations agree on that, that educating ourselves is very important in so many different ways. And having a healthy body, healthy mind, good connections, families, of course, so important. Um, There's no doubt about that. So I think there's a lot of common things that, both generations can agree on when we actually sit down and talk about this in a in a in a more reflective way peeling back what were the motivations that led us to live the lives that we have lived rather than saying that here's the life i lived here's a template run along the same tracks right i don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense it does mm-hmm. I'm starting to reflect on my takeaways as we think about this discussion. And 
uh, one thing that the the first thing that comes to my mind is this idea of being curious. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot about you just in this last little bit of talking about this topic. I I think it's a good idea to ask the other generation, what do you think a good life is? Right. Right. Like, what what are you excited about building in your life and holding space to have that discussion? I think that'd be tremendously powerful if we could do that yeah. uh, as a starting point. And then I think there's an element of, I guess there's some discovery, right? You kind of have to know what a good life is for yourself before you can mm-hmm. share it. So it's something I want to be more intentional thinking about too. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to think about having this conversation with my parents, for example. Uh, and then there was a, a clear theme around mental health yeah. and the ability to think about and regulate our emotions and um, think, I guess, in some ways navigate the differences that might come up in terms of how we think about a good life. So we are not creating anxiety or fear in one another, right. but finding ways to hopefully acknowledge some of those differences and show up in a way that allows us to um, to be our best selves, right? Versus uh, to avoid falling off of the... Um, or maybe falling back from the wealth or the the life, right, that an older generation has created for the younger generation. Um, what's coming up for you? I love that summary. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better. As you were saying it, I was just thinking, wow, he is... Uh, brought together all the threads very nicely so so beautiful um thank you that's what happens when you're trained as a consultant i guess (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm a bit speechless uh (laughs) feel that uh you've said it all it's beautiful it's beautiful and um i'm just happy i i think the point you raised about it just having that as a question to reflect on and to share it's just a beautiful opening point right there and there. So, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Shankar. So that concludes our discussion of the good life. I'm sure each of us has our own perspective on this topic, and we'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Chai Across Generations or email us with comments, questions, or discussion topics at chaiacrossgenerations at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Our intro music is our own homemade rendition of a classic blues tune, Have a Good Time, by Big Walter Horton, recorded by our very own Shunker. And we'll be back next week with another episode over a delicious cup of chai. So, Nikhil... I'm a little bothered about one thing. You say that you're born in Tamil Nadu and you're a South Indian, but I don't think you can be a card-carrying South Indian if you don't drink coffee. Times are changing, Shankar. Times are changing. But I'll make a guarantee to you that we'll talk about chai and coffee next week. You're on, my friend. See you all next time. Bye.